This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. What I'm going to do is teach them everything that I know. Like, how do, you, how do you advocate for yourself? How do you advocate for your students? How do you go in and, and broach these conversations? How do you frame this where someone can hear you? Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. Today's essential question is how can an emphasis on educational leadership impact and improve the recruitment and retention of teachers, especially teachers of color? And today we have a very special guest joining us. Yes, we are very excited to be joined by Patrice Dawkins-Jackson. Patrice received a Bachelor of Science degree in early childhood education from the University of Central Florida. She went on to receive a Master of Education also at the University of Central Florida in early childhood education with specializations in home, school, community, and educational leadership. Patrice was an instructional leader, learner, and assistant principal at Sandy Springs Charter Middle School in Georgia, spent two years with the U.S. Department of Education Classroom Teaching Ambassador Fellow, where she worked on recruitment and support of teachers of color in partnership with Teach.org and the White House Initiative on Educational Excellence for African Americans. Patrice is also part of the Post-Baccalaureate Fellowship Program and associate at the Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching. Her passion for teaching leadership was further ignited when she joined Teach to Lead an initiative convened by the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards, ASCD, and the U.S. Department of Education. She is also currently the Vice President of Cool Boys Communicate, Inc. Board. I mean, the (laughs) list just goes on and on. I'm just... My God, we are so, um, so excited to have you with us today, Patrice. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a little bit crazy. That's what it is. Is there... Anything we missed that we should have added to that bio? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, yes. Also, I, I'm also an ASCD of 2016 Emerging Leader, yep. which also um, is why I decided to um, run for a board position. So I'm also on the board of directors for ASCD as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. Awesome. And actually, that's that how I met awesome. you was yes. um, through the Emerging Leader Program for ACD. Yes. Yes. Um, about, what, a year ago, a year and a half ago? Yeah, a year, yeah it yeah. was, yeah, it was in, I think, National Harbor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That place is beautiful and weird all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so let's um, jump right in. But we actually want to kind of orient our listeners a little bit more to just kind of your journey in education. So sure. what started you in teaching and science ed? Okay, so I actually, um, my initial thought as a, as a child was I wanted to be an engineer. Hmm. And I, that experience was colored by the fact that I had a math teacher in middle school who, um, I went to a middle school that was like, lean on me, like legit, <laughs> like legit <laughs> lean on me for real. And um I had a teacher um, 
Timothy Williams, who was like, you know what? I don't care if we are the school that's on the wrong side of the tracks. We are going to show that um, this school produces excellence. So he started, he was the advisor for um, an organization that is in the southeastern part of the country. But now I think it's starting to spread out more broadly, broadly, um, SACME. And it was around science, um, math, engineering. Um, We did a lot of like robotics, things like that. And I had never experienced that before. Never mm-hmm. been exposed to it. And I was like, okay, you know, this is cool. And I really got into it. And so, I, you know, initially I wanted to be an engineer. I was like, go hold on that. Like competing in competitions, yeah. all that good stuff. Then I got to high school. And like, you know, you know what would be really cool is um, if I could share like all this like thinking that I have around being an engineer and apply it to being a teacher and like using that kind of thinking and um, problem solving and just creating and using that to be a teacher. And I remember telling Mr. Williams, I wanted to be a teacher. He's like, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, what? You know what? Like all this intelligence on being a teacher. I was like, what? Mr. Williams. But it's so funny, full circle, you know, as I become a teacher and, you know, um, really excel in that, he's like, he always would say that he was like super, super proud of me. And I just always carry, you know, the fact Mm. that he wanted to empower um, children that looked like me to to believe that you were greater than your circumstances and your surroundings. And that's something that I wanted to bring into the classroom. So that is actually um, why... I got into teaching. I was like, you know, I really want to um, get students, um, children early on and help them understand that education is the one thing that once you have it, no one can take that away from you. Mm-hmm. It's in there. Mm-hmm. And um, and that you own it. Like no one can get it for you. Mom, dad, sister, cousin, brother. They can't get it for yeah. you. It's something you have to really get for yourself. And that um, no matter what your circumstances are, you can achieve so that's why I actually went into early childhood education as Mm -hmm. well because I wanted to start them early like get this Mm -hmm. early get it now Mm -hmm. and how long were you in the classroom before you stepped out I actually was I was in the classroom for 10 years Mm -hmm. I was in the classroom for 10 years I taught kindergarten I taught first grade I taught first through fifth um, talented and gifted and that was that was so fun because I only taught um, social studies and science, and it was wait all, that's a oh, that's, that's a an random interesting pairing. combination. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like so hmm. yeah. So um, our the school where I was was um, experimenting with a model where I would teach like a whole like three major units in social studies and like three major units in science. And I can really go deep in those. So that yeah. was very, that was a very interesting experience because that it was a predominantly um, white, very affluent school. Hmm. And I had the privilege of teaching fifth graders about reconstruction in the civil war and slavery. <laughs> oh and it was, it was like, it was so dope though. Like it was the dopest yeah. experience. My, my students were like, to this day, their parents, like I talked to their parents and like, yeah. that was like the best thing ever. And I was like, for me, it was a great experience being 
a black woman and a teacher. And also mm-hmm. it was a great experience for them because they had not really had been taught history from that perspective, right. like mm-hmm. a, like a holistic perspective. I was like, yes, we got to mm-hmm. cover these standards, but we're also going to talk about like, why is my last name? Why is my mm-hmm. maiden name Dawkins? And why is my married yep. name Jackson? And like, mm-hmm. we, you know, and to have those conversations mm-hmm. about, do you realize why your street name has Jefferson. Okay, let's let's talk about yeah. you know let's talk about that. So it was really an, a rich experience. I would not trade it for anything in the world. But yeah, God. I have so many questions for you. Go ahead, go ahead, Megan. Go ahead. Well, no. Okay. <laughs> um, I just I think so. When did when were you teaching that? What what year? Like, because I what I mm. hear is like the parallels of like the sixteen year project. Yeah, like how long ago was were you teaching a fifth grade oh, classroom that was, full okay. of like white affluent students about <laughs> the like realities of this country's history and like still the the, oh, the yeah. um, debate around the sixteen nineteen project and and teaching high schoolers oh, anyway? So I'm just curious about like when you started that work. So that was in two thousand. It's a 2016, like 2015, 16 school year mm. was the year that I that I did that. And what I would do is I would everything that I was teaching them, I would connect it to something that was happening right yeah. now. So, um, at, yeah. for example, you know, uh, we were talking about reconstruction and we were talking about, you know, I have my students like draw political cartoons. And like, I, to mm-hmm. this day, I still have some of them because they were just yeah. so amazing. And um and I remember that during that time, there was a lot of um, protests where mm-hmm. athletes were protesting the treatment of their right. um, their fellow players of color. And so if they stood up against that, they could potentially lose their scholarship. You know, that was something mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. happening. And I was explaining to them that um, about abolitionists. And I said, OK, so, you know, here you are. You have you have somebody that, you know, and you're like, wait a minute what's happening to them is not right. So it's like, you know, abolitionists were like, hey, you know, slavery, mm-hmm. this is wrong. We mm-hmm. have to do something about this. So, you know, I, we're, we're going to help in different ways that we can. So, so mm-hmm. I was like, imagine if you do that. And then someone says, but because you did that, you're going to lose like all your business because you did that. You're going to lose your life because you lose. I said, so let's fast forward to right now where there are players that are being mistreated just because of this, they're discriminated against just because of the color of their skin. And you are a player on that team. That's your friend. And you say, you know, what's happening to my friend is not right. And you stand up mm. against that. It's like, you know, you can lose your scholarship for standing up for someone else. And, was, and so we had like a lot of conversations about the parallels of what was happening then to like what we see happening now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Do those a, kids vote yet? Can they vote? Are they Can like they vote? Uh, no. Let's see. Now <laughs> they're like uh, no, now. no. They're, yeah, no. They're, I think they're like in tenth or eleventh grade. They're, I think they're in tenth or eleventh grade. Dang, it's so close. So close. Is, you know what's so interesting though? So like, I had one student, and I loved. He, lo- oh my gosh, I loved him, and I loved his family. And I never forget that in um, in fifth grade, he was reading the Art of the Deal. <laughs> so okay remember 
remember, I'm remember these are gifted students. I mean, like they are, <laughs> they are like super interested. So he's reading the art of the deal. He was like, you know, he really liked Donald Trump. I said, well, you know, like let's unpack, like why? You know, he was just telling me, you know, we were having this conversation about why he was interested in him, and you know, he was doing research about him and all this stuff. And I was like, okay. And so I actually brought that into our conversation, into our class. I mean, I would like bring all kinds of things. Like yeah. that was the year that Prince died and we did like this whole Socratic seminar about, um, you know, would you choose fame? Mm. With, like, you know, if you had a talent, like what would you, would you choose fame? And like, what is the price that you pay for sharing your talent with the world? Mm. And, can I be they, in your class? Oh my God. I was just thinking, can we go, can I build a time machine and head back? Yeah. And I remember, I remember writing this, like, writing this unit about that. And like, you know, and I am a huge, huge Prince fan. Like I was just mm-hmm. like lost in my classroom when he passed away. And I remember, mm-hmm. I remember one of the things that I said I wanted to do was I said, I wanted my students to analyze the words to one of his songs. I was like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, he's, he talks about sex, all this. I was like, okay, listen closely. No, not all the way. Mm-hmm. So um, I had, <laughs> I had, um, I had my students analyze the words to, um, oh my gosh, it was a song that he wrote for his wife when she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I can't like the song escapes me now. But I remember I had them analyze the words to the song. And I the question was, if you if you or someone in your family could to could gift this song to someone, mm-hmm. who would it be and why? And like the parents were just like, this is the most amazing thing that you have done. <laughs> They're like answering the class. question because they want to be in the class. <laughs> They're like this, that, like I really got, I got, I got notes from parents that were like, I am so glad that you were doing this. This is amazing. It was, it was super dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what shifted your focus away from the classroom? I mean, or what, I guess another way to say it is like, what launched you into the leadership work you're doing today? Okay. So I, th- I think one is that um, even when, when I first, got into teaching like right away my first year I was like a disruptor (laughs) that is why surprise (laughs) I was a disruptor I remember like going through our new teacher induction program and being like this absolutely sucks Mm. wow this is a waste of my time but Mm -hmm. instead of me just Mm -hmm. saying like wow this is a waste of my time I literally went to my principal. This was, and I mean, yeah. like, this is literally like my first year teacher. I went to my principal. I was like, so, okay, our teacher induction program. Yeah, not so great. How about, would you support me in reimagining what this looks mm. like? <laughs> Love that wording. <laughs> and, Love that wording. And she was like, Okay, so she sent me to this training. So I went to this training to be apprentice at that time for the um, National School Reform Faculty. And then they broke off and turned into the mm-hmm. School Reform Initiative. So I apprenticed under like all the people from the School Reform Initiative. And I took okay. that and I was like, I believe that if we, if I use some of these structures and create a safe space for our new teachers. And I was like, not mm-hmm. just new teachers, like brand new to the field. I said, brand new to a grade level. 
yeah. brand new to our county or school and have them be a part of this group, this group. I think this would be a really great induction program. And it was awesome. We had an 89% retention rate the two years that I did it. And I was like, see, that's, that's so that's why it's yeah. like, uh, you know, just like being a, a disruptor and um, also at the same time, recognizing when you're like hitting a ceiling that you know you're not going to go through. Mm. Like, I, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, OK, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm beating on this door. Yeah. Let, moving right along. So I I've always been very open to different types of experiences. I've always been open to exploring other sectors and seeing how it was meaningful to the classroom so like I remember yeah. getting my project management certification people were like why are you doing that I was like uh because I can use this in my classroom mm-hmm. to help mm-hmm. my students understand like real life so I would yeah. like literally we would do a reading and this is in like first grade and I remember we were doing this unit about persuasive um, writing they had to make mm-hmm. arguments so I made this whole like this this unit and I was like okay we are going to operate this as a business like we're going to we're we are now you know I forgot the thing was like something with Willy Wonka like the chart the company I was like you know oh, they yeah. have mm-hmm. commissioned us they have commissioned <laughs> us to create a whole new line of candy and so one, we're going to have to pitch it. So I was like, I really was teaching yeah. them like about like real world. I was like, okay, so we're going to have a team. That's like the pitch team. We need a project mm-hmm. manager. So project manager, mm-hmm. this is your role. Like, and, I, and I did that from my experience of going through that process and like mm-hmm. understand and like just different things that I experienced, like working at the department and how do you, how do you communicate ideas and all that. I would bring all that back to my classroom all mm-hmm. the time. But I also realized that, you know, when you, I was in a district that I really felt like they're like, uh, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> after you have those kind of experiences, mm-hmm. you know, after you, you know, you're, you go to, you, you're at the department and you're, I'm still working as a teacher because I was a classroom um, fellow. So I'm still, and I'm still teaching and being an instructional coach. But then I'm going and I'm having meetings with the secretary and I'm like being doing, you know, surrogate work and seeing all these innovative practices happening in education. And then I come back and I'm just like, oh, I'm coming back to the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was like that. It was like I just felt like, OK, they don't know what to do with me. So I'm going to have to kind of mm-hmm. like, figure, you know. I'm a very spiritual person. I was like, I, I trust God and like he'll forward yeah. the path. And that was really like, that's how I operated it all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. In the program that you built um, for new teachers, if you were to like pinpoint one or two things that you think really made it successful or that kind of address this notion of, you know, teacher equipment and teacher retention, what would you say are some things that you did there that really um, impacted or cre- created that space for um, keeping teachers in the classroom? Oh, uh, yeah. So I would say one, um, we had like, we have some really, like really strong community agreements about, mm-hmm. about like the space, physical space and like the mental space, but also boundaries. So for example, um, we met in a room that was away from the away from the building. It was still in the school. It was away from the building. At one point, 
um, I had we had a I had one principal who actually supported me doing it during the school day. Hmm. And so what we would do is um, we would all of our parents would go and cover the classes of the teachers who were going to be participating. So we were all they would all eat lunch together and then it would Hmm. meld into them having like this. It ended up being like the last two periods of the day once a month or something like that, that yeah. they would be able to be in the space. So when I had the one principal, that's how we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say like being able to make it a part, like their learning and support, their support being, it was a part of the day and not like this extra thing. That was one. Um, and like a, the run the boundaries piece. So if our curriculum specialist or principal had to come in and talk to the new teachers or what have you, they got the first 15 minutes of the agenda. And after that, the door was locked. They couldn't, they, mm. and they couldn't stay. They were not invited into that space unless we invited them into that space. Um, and I, I would, there were times that I intentionally would invite our principal. So for example, we did a success analysis and I was like, you know, as new teachers, you never, oftentimes you don't think about what you've done well. It's all the yeah. stuff that you like, you know, I sucked at that. Like I missed the mark on this. Yeah. I'm, you know, this is the feedback that I'm getting that I suck, you know, with no support. You get mm-hmm. all this feedback about how you suck, but no support. And um, I remember inviting our principal to come and listen to all of the success analysis that people brought forward. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's important. I like you need to hear this because, yeah. you know, even though they may be novice or there are places where they're struggling, there are places where they have bright spots and can you can build upon those to really support their growth opposed to, you know, them always feeling that everything as far as mm-hmm. feedback was punitive. Mm-hmm. So that I would say that. Um, and then also I just think the structure, you know, like everybody who was engaged in supporting um, teachers in that process, they all had gone through the school reform initiative training. So all, you know, everybody who was a facilitator had gone through that training. They were familiar with the different structures that we were using. You know, we really, and then it became a place where like, if you brought a dilemma to that space, you know, that student became everybody's student. And they were like, you know, check on like how so-and-so doing, or they saw that child hallway, you know, they, Hey, I'm glad you're doing, you know, it, it was just, it was amazing mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there was a lot of, there was a lot of intentionality around what it takes to create that space first. Mm-hmm. So like, what kind of boundaries do you need to establish with like your administration? What kind of, how do you, how do you start to plan out, you know, different activities that help build the initial trust that are necessary to be able to then, you know, be really vulnerable in front of your colleagues. So mm-hmm, I think those mm-hmm. were the things that helped. Yeah, I hear also in that, um, which I think is a really interesting um, concept is essentially centering the teacher as an expert, right? And in so many ways, when you said you would you would intentionally bring in admin to hear from these newer teachers, right? Like highlighting their expertise and like, their the strengths that they bring um and I see like a parallel with when I was looking into teach to lead right of like this idea of mm-hmm. um providing teachers opportunities to grow their leadership 
Can you just tell our listeners just a little bit about your work with Teach to Lead and what the goals of that organization is? Yeah, so I um, I was a part of the team that really like was like, okay, Arnie said it in a speech, and it's like, let's we have to make this happen. So yeah. it was yeah. it was um, it was really interesting. Um, that work really came from the fact that it's like teachers have the ability to be problem solvers, mm-hmm. right? And they are the they are the closest to the work. But some, sometimes they just need additional supports and champions and barriers removed to help them actually mm-hmm. enact, mm-hmm. you know, these, you know, these solutions that they have for different for different problems. And um, I remember when we were starting that it was, you know, I, like my role was doing, I did like all the comms, a lot of the com, um, communication things for it, but also attending the summits and serving as a critical friend. So even though I'm not at the department anymore, I have served as a critical friend since that time, like many years later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I will, yeah, actually I'm like, I'm, I'm going to speak at, um, and service one uh, for a teach uh, one that's powered, like a teacher powered one that's in April. So um, it was, and, and what what I would say about that too, is that it was centering teachers as, and as experts that, you know, they have, they have experience that no one can really speak to because it's their lived experience every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it and and being a part of Teach to Lead was providing a lot of tools to help teachers and skills to help teachers really be able to understand how do you actually go about making change in 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 your context. And I like, like there were some key things that I remember um, distinctly was um you know we would have a workshop that was like you know how do you how do you talk to policymakers so that was I remember Mm -hmm. that was like you know Lori Calvert was do that um, workshop there and like how do you talk to policymakers there we had a framework that would help them think through like a logic model then they would learn how to pitch like these are all skills that generally are not taught in teacher preparation programs or like, you know, or people don't Mm -hmm. see as valuable, Mm -hmm. but they are, they're Mm -hmm. super, they're super essential to being able to um, propose changes in your system. Mm -hmm. And I think about an example of like, um, when I, I, I went to one of my principals, like making this big change. And I was like, I don't agree with this. And it's the disruptor again. <laughs> and, and I remember she was like, you know, she was like saying, you know, she was saying, you know, well, this is why, this is why, this is why. And then I was like, okay. And I remember going, pulling the data for the past five years from, you know, about this one issue. And I remember pulling some research about, um, around the issue as well. And I knew that for her, you know, coming in and, and, and complaining that wasn't gonna work she needed numbers it's like he's like bring me the data I was like okay I got you <laughs> I got you I got your data and I was like <laughs> and so here lays out why I'm saying I disagree with what you're doing hmm. mm-hmm. 
And so, mm-hmm. you know, but a lot of uh, I've encountered teachers who are like, they don't feel empowered to do that, but they haven't been taught or provided yeah, an agency yeah. to be able to yeah. do that. They're like, they don't understand, they're like, no, not understanding um, the power of like understanding, you know, what resonates with the person that you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. What like how do yeah. you communicate to them yeah. where you're actually heard? So I knew talking mm-hmm. to her, I need some data. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And or I think research like, to back it up. Yeah. And I think that like teaching tools to be agents of change to teachers is a really powerful thing. And I I think that something that really resonated with me what um and something that you said previously was that your district didn't know what to do with you. And so you were off doing these really enriching things in your career, right? You were growing your leadership skills. You were having all of these experiences outside of the classroom and then you would come back and it would still be the same classroom and it would still feel like, you know, like it just the same system that you were in. And I mm-hmm. think about what I thought about was, oh my gosh, as my as an, myself a teacher and I'm a fairly new teacher, that like I can already begin to feel that monotony, right? And that it feels as though my um, my professional path in the classroom is set for me as a teacher, right? That my my ability to attain growth and leadership opportunities and to be a change maker is already there's like you said that feeling that you can't break through. And mm-hmm. I think what's really been fascinating for me when I was you know doing research into your work is that you are constantly trying to build avenues for teachers to have that fulfillment as experts, but also to stay connected to the classroom. Um, and so I, I think just hearing you talk about this, I'm like, yes, I want, like as a teacher, <laughs> I want to be able to do all these things. And I want, like, it just sounds like such enriching activities, right. For teachers because they are experts. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think, think, I think, um, that, and that was one of the things. Now, that is one thing that I did bring back. Like, I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, no matter what, I'm coming back to this same system. And, but I was like, but s- some people are coming, they're, they're coming along with me. And like, right. I have yeah. like, there's like two guidepost quotes, like that. I, they're like my guidepost quotes outside of scriptures, but these are like the, but one is like, um, it's Eartha Kitt and it's, you know, I'm learning all the time. My tombstone will be my diploma. Like, I'm never mm-hmm. going to stop learning. Mm-hmm. So that's where all those right. paths come from. Because it's like, I'm constantly, inherently curious. I just need to, like, soak it all in all the time. And then the second one is someone is waiting on who you're becoming. And I remember mm-hmm. hearing this guy say mm-hmm. that. And, like, while I was working in the department, we were doing this roundtable. He said that. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so profound. Those little, Those few words. And... That was something that I was like, okay, I I have to embody that. I see in this system that there are teachers who are amazing, who have the uh, the ability to create such impact, but they are stifled by the system that they're a part of. So what Mm -hmm. I'm going to do is teach them everything that I know. Like, how do you? How do you advocate for yourself? How do you advocate for your students? How do you go in this and broach these conversations? How do you frame this where someone can hear you? Like, I would literally yeah. tell, like, walk people through, like, okay, this is what's happening. Okay, and we'll walk, like, walk through, like, here, okay, so here's what you do. And you, and it might not be the result that you want it, 
But you have that skill set now. You have that fire now. Mm -hmm. You have that mindset now. So you can apply it to a different context, you know, Mm -hmm. period. Like you move it forward. That's like, that's how you can operate. And, and that helped. That gave a lot of people, you know, hope and felt, they felt empowered. And what you're Mm -hmm. saying, um, Megan, about, you know, you feel that now I I remember, you know, saying kind of like, you know, I, I just got to like, then I just got to try some things for some different paths. Like, if, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and that was what happened. You know, I was willing to take risk that people were just like, this is crazy. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you will see it's not. Okay. It's not. But willing to just take the risk and eat and in that win it, win and learn. Cause I don't, I don't believe in feeling. It's like you, mm-hmm. you you win or you learn. That's mm-hmm. it. And so. I, I love that framing, win or learn. Well, and what you're kind of talking about really reminds me of just the lack of vision or creativity or innovation or whatever word you want to slap in here, like around the way that infrastructures are in terms of leadership in a lot of school districts. And so districts say, you know, that they want to be innovative, that they want to be creative, that they want to have these different pathways for leadership but they don't actually know how to make those or they're just too, um, they're content living with the status quo, I think is part of it, right? Because it's much easier to stay the same, like to keep things the same way they've been for years rather than like reimagine what a hybrid teaching might look like, you know, part-time being an instructional coach, part-time teaching a class or, you know, what a curriculum, hybrid curriculum specialist might look like. You know, just some of these things that we could do that I think would really, like you said, um, harness the innovation, harness the creativity of teachers that like the, the, the cognitive stimulation that so many teachers still desire and are looking mm-hmm. for that personal growth piece that's there as well. Um, We actually have to take a quick break and then we'll pick right back up. This is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. Words mean things. That's what Pacific Lutheran University challenges me and you to think about in our everyday speech. When I speak to you or a guest over the podcast, the words I choose have impact, either positive or negative. Words have history. And when we choose to use them, We have to own their meaning and their effect on the people listening. My language, my choice. PLU is asking us to go deep on words like anti-racist or decolonize and to think about what those words truly mean. Then, once you understand them, let's talk about how you can put words into action. What can you do to live up to the word anti-racist? How can you decolonize your entertainment, or even how you introduce yourself? These are big questions. To get ideas on how to answer them, and to find questions about other important words, visit plu.edu slash words mean things to learn more. My sincere thanks to Pacific Lutheran University for sponsoring Channel 253, and for doing exactly what universities should be doing right now with this campaign. Right. And we're back. Um, so many <laughs> different directions we could go with this. Megan, uh, why don't you take us to the next kind of part you want to make, part topic you wanted to yeah. bring up. So I think we've been talking a lot about the retention, um, right, and, and keeping good teachers, right? So I think the how do you keep, because I think 
thinking about um, one of my favorite, not favorite, but one of the stats keeping in mind is that um, within the first five years of teaching, 17% of the teaching force leaves, right? And so how do you keep the new teachers, but also how do you keep um, the more experienced and skilled and good teachers, right? And how do you fulfill them? But I also want to switch because you've done a lot of work around the recruitment of teachers and specifically getting more teachers of color into the profession. Um, and so I would love to hear kind of what you've learned about, about that. How do we, how do we improve getting good teachers and teachers of color into that classroom? Yeah. Uh, this, I'm so excited about this. Um, okay, so <laughs> I am, cause I, I'm actually working, I'm working with uh, a county office of education that's working on this now. And I think um, it starts with leadership. It really starts with leadership. So when you're thinking about um, you're, when you're thinking about recruitment, it really takes a leader who is open and willing to have the conversation first about race. Hmm diversity and inclusion like that you like you can't you can't really say yeah I want to recruit you know we want to recruit um you know teachers of color if you're not thinking about that first mm -hmm. right um and willing to like have the hard conversations and take the hard look at your system to see why you're not right. able to recruit um mm -hmm. I think the and, and that's hard. It's hard to like look at, you know, you know, peel back like, OK, so where do we put our job postings? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Who receives this information? How are they receiving the information? You know, like you have to look at that stuff and it's, yeah. that's very illuminating because you can find that Wait, This kind of plays to just one particular ethnic group or maybe a, a, social, a demographic in one way or another. So, mm -hmm that part um and I think as far as like retaining um teachers of color is really like a, creating a place where people feel like they belong right mm -hmm. and 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 that is really tied to culture and like culture of a system but also culture mm -hmm. of the like either those micro systems like the culture of a school if I, if I am, um, that I, you know, will feel comfortable with really bringing my full self to a building, a school building, it's like really difficult to stay there. Mm -hmm. And it, and then it's difficult to like, you know, it's difficult to have, um, you know, people like vouch for, you know, like, Hey, I'm interested in your school or, you know, we're hiring at our, you know, we're hiring at our school. We have, you know, these open positions, you know, I think you should really apply. If you are, if you don't feel like that about where you are, how yeah. can you evangelize for, you know, your, mm -hmm. your place and try to get, you know, more people there? And I think the other um, thing around this, too, is really important is that there are so many um, great people who are doing this work, like Sharif. Are you all familiar with Sharif? I think yeah, yeah, I, I, I do uh, some of our listeners might not be, but I'll, be, I'll link obviously in the show okay. notes. I don't know if you want to give a quick recap of his work is. Yeah, it's it's amazing. amazing. So like, okay. So like, Sharif, that's, 
my brother from another mother. I love him. <laughs> and he's amazing. He he has he's created this center like to really yeah. he, he's created this center to really um work specifically on the recruitment of um teachers of color. There's like had another branch of it at one point called the fellowship where it was really mm-hmm. um centered around recruiting um African American males into the teaching profession. And there are like there are people that are doing really great work in this space. And that's like, you know, outside of the context of school systems. Like mm-hmm, this is something mm-hmm. that needs to be held in school systems. Not yeah, just like the yeah. play people that are doing it outside of it and they're like, right. you know, yeah. they're they're like on the periphery. It's like, no, this needs to happen internally. Like mm-hmm, looking mm-hmm. at looking at your like system, looking at the language in in your job descriptions. Like, does this language play to specific demographics? Mm-hmm. You know, what, and, and even, like, thinking about uh, around the recruitment piece as well, like, uh, one of the major barriers to um, teachers even, like, certifying, I know, like, in where I, where I used to live, was just the sheer cost of the assessments. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. The cost of the assessments or having to, you know, take them multiple times or take, it's like, it does that really say that you are a a great teacher? You know, so you start to question like different things in the system that could possibly be barriers Mm -hmm. to recruitment of, of teachers of color. So the work you're doing right now, how are you, how are you combating or breaking down those barriers? Oh, so right. So now I, um, I work for the Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching. And it's like it's an amazing um, experience uh, because our whole mission is around how do you leverage the use of improvement science and networks mm-hmm. to, um, to like close, like, all kinds of like gaps any just tackle anything that you're facing in your system and really dismantling your system and fundamentally changing the way that you do work so that is like with Mm -hmm. the you know like my longest short because there's a lot of stuff I do but um and combating that is like I'm I'm coaching right now I'm coaching a county office that is looking specifically at their hiring and recruiting practices and being able to, you know, help them go through the process of like really understanding their system, seeing their system, talking to candidates who applied but didn't follow through. What what was the barrier for, you know, why didn't you decide to stay with us? Them looking, you know, really prompted them to look at like the language. They look at they're looking at the language in their job descriptions. They're looking at where do they post their their um their openings. Right. You know, are there specific schools? Or are you doing it more broadly where you have concentrations of people, uh, you know, students of color who are coming mm-hmm. into the teaching profession? Like all of those things. And so it's it's really nice to be able to see that you know you can improve. You can take um this specific like method that is grounded in like design thinking and systems thinking, like all those things and apply it to something that, you know, you would see as something that would maybe, you know, kind of daunting and, you know, and practical to do, but it is, it's, it's effective. 
Mm-hmm. And I, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing to be able to see that people are coming together from different perspectives, different levels in the system to really attack a problem mm-hmm. or a challenge that they're facing. I don't even like to call it a challenge. I, use, I like calling things like areas of opportunity or challenges. Like, hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is an opportunity here for us to learn, you know? And so um, that they're able to take this and really drill down to like, we can do something to improve one piece of our system that could have ripple effects and help us really, you know, be able to then tackle another piece in our system. And as we continue to tackle these small pieces in our mm-hmm. system in a really disciplined and rigorous way and being really like having that deep sense of inquiry, having a theory behind it, being able to test these iterative changes is you, the progress that people make around mm-hmm. this is like, amazing just the conversations that they're having that they never mm-hmm. had before as a result of bringing this to the forefront of um something that they're like we need to fix this in our system so that my mm-hmm. work now um helps me really see that in a in a really unique way mm-hmm. um and 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 the implications for how this could be done more broadly, like how you right. how this could be mm-hmm. scaled, you know, um, more broadly. And and thinking about my current work is, you know, the cultural piece, the mindset shift that takes place. I mean, this is it's a major it's a major change in how you think about tackling and doing work. It is a completely different way to look at like reform because mm-hmm. you're looking at it from the perspective of like the people that are closest to the work, like their mm-hmm. voices have to be included in it. That is a part of the investigation. You're like learning from other sectors, like to see how they could be, it could possibly impact um, your circumstances or, you know, what you're grappling with. It requires like having a shared um, goal and aim that everyone is like we're committing to this not buying into it because that's something completely different from commitment <laughs> yeah, to, true like yeah, true. by leaps and bounds but like really committing to like you know this there might be something else that I think that is important and oppressing but I am going to contribute all my effort to seeing this be successful and we accomplish what we're seeking out to do so mm-hmm. I think that makes a huge difference in thinking about the problem of, of retention and recruitment mm-hmm. because it's not like I'm on the outside as a, a center or organization, but we're really thinking about this internally within our system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... So, oh, it, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, first of all, I'm going to be using that commitment versus buy-in with my student leaders. Um <laughs> Cause it, it's, it's a huge like, you difference. Just, you said it. It's a yeah. huge and like yeah. man, oh man. I just like I wrote it down. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. And then just it. You recently retweeted um, something that I think just is a perfect encapsulation of everything that you're saying. Of like, and I just I highlighted it because I loved it so much. Is you can't simply fire and hire your way to a better culture. It takes work, vision, and purpose. Right. So that it's not. Right. It's not simply. Like, that's what I'm hearing you say is like you it's not simply hiring more teachers of color if you're not going to put in the work to change your vision and purpose Mm -hmm. and the system that Mm -hmm. you are putting these teachers into. 
because that at the end correct. of the day, right. And so I just think like, as you're speaking, all I hear is the embodiment of that phrase, right? Like the embodiment of, yes, it's, it's not about getting more teachers of color into the pre- profession. Like that's the very beginning. That's point zero, right? Like it, it's not going to be sustainable and it's not going to change if the system doesn't change in itself. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because, because like, if the, because every, every system is designed to get the results that it gets. Right. And, and, yeah. and that, you know, the intentional designing of that yes, system. Yes. 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 And it's that's not intentional. It's intentionally designed to leave out that yes, of color. That, and yeah, and color. that's a hard, that's a hard pill to swallow when yeah. you're like, wait a minute. We, if we investigate our system, we can see these inequities that it's producing and it's designed yes. to produce it. Yes. So that is why yes. there has to be the fundamental change to how the system operates. And so and like how, and what you do within that system. And so, yeah, you're yeah. absolutely yeah. right. You, you, you can't check the box that, you know, we increased our we increased mm-hmm. our, you know, retention of our teachers of color by this percentage when you're yeah you might have done that but like what does your system look like that's supporting them to mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. continue to do that if listeners are interested in finding out more about your work or like act, accessing your program so that they can do some of that transformative work in their districts or in their schools how can they get a hold of you how could they um, tap into this sure so um we um we the, they can go to the Carnegie Foundation website. Yeah. So it's um www.carnegiefoundation.org. Um we work with uh we work with a lot of um different um people and programs, different and and really like different big big things in education, like looking at literacy, looking at um All looking right. at literacy, looking at culture, looking at uh, hiring recruitment, looking at um, teacher preparation and clinical experience and uh, recruitment of teachers. And, and there's a lot that we work on. And so um, I would love, I would love, I, I could talk about this like stuff all day. <laughs> all day. <laughs> we might have to do a part two. We might have to do a part two. I know. I, all day. I do want to touch briefly on um, Cool Boys Communicate yes, Inc. Could you yes. tell us a little bit about that work? And then um, we'll have to wrap up, of course, but we might have you back to talk I know. A part two. <laughs> I, I feel like a there's part a part two. two. A part two. <laughs> All right. So I am so um, great. I'm like super humbled and um, grateful that I uh, was asked to be the vice president of Cool Boys Communicate. Um, our founder is Latrina Cockwell. And Latrina and I used to work together in the same school district. We actually used to work in the same school and (laughs) we've always stayed connected to each other. And she had this vision um, because of working in schools and also because she has a son and she had this vision to create a space um, for um, young boys. They're all middle school age boys create a space for middle school age boys to build their leadership capability. And so what Cool Boys Communicate does is we cultivate experiences that build leadership capabilities for middle school boys. Uh, we Right now it. we have seven scholars. We just started. Like, I mean, like when I say just started, I mean like Hi. we have our first cohort. Mm-hmm. We just started. We have seven scholars. Um, they have different aspects of the, our program include they are um, our scholars are going through the Toastmasters um, process. And so they Love are that. actually 
learning deep communication and leadership skills. Mm-hmm. They're taking on the different roles within the context of that um, program, but they're also doing community service. They're doing where they're exposed to different um, people um, in different sectors. And we really want to highlight men. Like that is mm-hmm. like, we really want to have our scholars see that there are black males in different parts of um, walks of life who have different experiences and expertise that can that they can aspire to know that like they can do so much more than what may be said or told to them in you know in different contexts and spaces but we want to them to know like you you are you're a leader now yeah and you don't have to you don't have to wait until you are an adult like you are starting we want you to build these capabilities now because it is going to propel you in the future and so that is really what um, cool boys is about um if we have um we have a twitter i was like we have twitter as boys communicate we also have a facebook page cool boys communicate and a website and we are always looking for other um black Um, men to be able to um, speak to our scholars about their experiences, share their expertise with them. And um, we just want to continue to help it grow and flourish. It's amazing. I just talked to Latrina yesterday and she was telling me about how um, our scholars had like their second round of um, their Toastmaster course and how they were starting to take on the roles of like you know I really appreciate the way that you frame this and talking about their vocal mm. intonation and <laughs> things like that and I'm like this is middle school, oh. middle school boys that are doing this cannot that's so amazing I and love so, that it's so it's so awesome and I was like so excited to hear how well um that you know how they're taking this up and that the person who is their Toastmaster is also an African-American male. He's a black male and um, is really like heavily invested in seeing them be successful and pushing them towards excellence. And so like, we're not, we're not accepting uh, mediocrity, like really pushing them to um, excellence and building their communication and leadership Wonderful. skills. Um, that sounds amazing. We will definitely link to all of that in the show notes for listeners to check the website um, and to go do some support and think about ways that you can support this organization. That's actually a nice segue. Final segment. Do your fudging homework. (laughs) Interchangeable. White ladies. Okay. So my homework (laughs) assigned to all y'all is to definitely go check out the links in our show notes. Um, Cool Boys Communicate Inc. Check out their website. Follow them on Twitter. Um, Also, I would say reach out. Uh, check out the work from Carnegie Foundation. Uh, we'll again link to that. There's some fantastic work out there. So that's the homework from me. Megan, did you have any other homework? That was going to be my homework as well. I think that just looking into all of the organizations that Patrice has worked with, I I found the Teach to Lead organization really fascinating. Yeah, we'll, we'll also link that in the show notes as well. Um, but Patrice, any homework for our listeners? Yeah, and so I, um, what, yes. I will challenge you to really embody the understanding that someone is waiting on who you're becoming. So every Mm. experience that you have is not just for you, but it is for you to be able to teach and empower somebody who is on this journey 
along the way. And so I, that is what I would like to leave the audience with, you know, pull somebody um, along with you as you're on your journey and, um, and that you're teaching and learning too. I love it. Thank you yeah. so much for taking the time yeah, thank um, you. to come and talk to us on the show. And we'll talk about a follow-up off Yeah, air. definitely. <laughs> thank you. Thank All right. You so much. Thanks again. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Uh, welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. So Today's our- essential... <laughs> the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.